Welcome to the Advent with Faith Radio podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. We're really being intentional this year for Advent. You can celebrate with us by joining each week for this podcast, reading the Gospel of Luke with us, and participating in the great giveaway. You can find out more information about all these opportunities at MyFaithRadio.com. the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. For the four weeks of Advent, we're bringing you an episode a week of the four themes of Advent. This week, we are talking about joy with Susie Larson. Susie is an author, a speaker, teacher, and host of Susie Larson Live here on Faith Radio. Welcome, Susie. Thanks, Angela. Great to be with you today. Thanks. I'm so glad you're here. I'm looking forward to our conversation because I absolutely love serving with you behind the scenes. So how fun to get to talk today. Yeah, and I am really excited to talk about joy with you because it seems like it's been something that has been bubbling up inside of you recently. Yeah. And you know, that's not even normal. (laughs) I mean, it is. I mean, people would describe me as a joyful person, but people who know me also know that I battle behind the scenes at times with fears and with health issues and different things. And those are just my very real struggles. But when I contend for joy, because it is a fruit of the spirit, but I also, it's the strength of our hearts. Mm -hmm. um, It is amazing. It is a deeper strength and a deeper knowing of God than just a surface kind of happy, clappy thoughts and feelings. Yes. And I think that's, I'm so glad we're starting off with that right away, because I think that's such an important distinction that we're talking about joy, not happy, and it's Mm -hmm. different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's yeah, important. you and I were talking recently, you know, the other night, I don't know, I was uh, feeling under the weight, under the weight of the world, the state of things, and even the state of hearts of people where there's just sort of a, a flippancy around truth. And yeah, that might be the truth, but I really don't care this apathy, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I was feeling the weight of it going, Lord, how do we communicate truth to a people who don't really care about truth anymore? And that was very much predicted in scripture that there would be a day where people only want to hear what they're tickling years want to hear. And I, I went to bed just feeling under the weight of not physically feeling well, uh, feeling just sort of discouraged over the state of things and feeling like, how will we ever do this? And I fell asleep that way, just discouraged and weighted down. And in the middle of the night, my eyes opened wide and the phrase defiant joy came to my heart. And I felt like God was saying, throw off that garment of heaviness with praise, mm-hmm. you know, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And I literally just made an about face in the middle of the night, going, no way, I am not, I'm not taking the bait. I am not going there. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And I am telling you, Angela, something rose up within me. And it's like my, the eyes of my heart opened up and I suddenly like stepped into this realization of how rich I am because I'm in Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, it was almost Mm -hmm. like the sky was dark and then it was light and I could see I am seated with Christ. I have an eternal home. I've got the spirit of God in me. I've got the promises over me. I've got you and all these wonderful colleagues that we are laboring together and outcomes are in God's hands. We plant the seeds, we water them and we trust everything to him and something defiant and beautiful rose up in me and I woke up with strength in my heart. It really was like a supernatural proposition. And I remember you sharing that story. And what I, what that makes me think of is in getting ready for this conversation, I was looking into 
it, what were what are the Hebrew words that were used for joy? And one of them, forgive me, I've not been to seminary, so if someone out there has, and I'm mispronouncing it, I apologize. Mm-hmm. Um, but the word ranan means to overcome, to be overcome, to cry out, to shout for joy. And that's yeah. the word that we see in the Psalms when it says, sing for joy, shout for joy. And mm-hmm. that I mean, that makes me think of your defiant joy, that I, I will have joy even in the midst of this. Yeah. I mean, there is a passage I think, in the Psalms, with my whole body, soul, and mind, I will shout joyfully to the living God. And Angela, I think there are times when we just have to do that. We're so passive, I think, in our rejoicing, mm-hmm. and we get beat up and run over by the enemy. But when you rise up, I mean, when was the last time with your whole body, soul, and strength, you shouted joyfully to the living God, where you put on a song and you sang at the top of your lungs, <laughs> or you you know walked around your house going, I am blessed, I am beloved, I am brave because Christ is in me that to me that there's something about that kind of joy that that you're talking about the overcoming joy that really is a war cry to the enemy of our souls and I'm trying to imagine what would happen if that rippled out in the body of Christ and Mm. especially in this holiday season this Christmas time when so many are battered and weary and wounded if you've got it in you to rise up in joy and be kind of a joy dispenser for others um, it's like lighting people's candles you know and bringing some light to a pretty dark time well, and I think the more that we talk about it and we, because I think that can feel crazy to do that. Yeah. To turn it on is music. crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a good crazy, but feels crazy yeah. nonetheless. And, it, and mm-hmm. so I think, and I think sometimes it's easy to become self-conscious in our, mm. in our worship. And so to, to give others permission. So if you feel like you need permission to do that, then we are giving you, yes, we are giving That's you permission. Right. <laughs> to yeah. do that. I mean, David did it. And you think about even right. Paul, I think it was Paul who said, hey, if we're out of our minds, if you think we're out, well, it's for your benefit, basically. Think what you want. And, you know, that's the thing, you know, I, again, I was someone who struggled profoundly with the opinions of others in my early years of, of my faith journey. But when God really showed me the vast difference between his opinion and man's opinion, the gap widened so significantly. And Angela, I just, it's like, I realized I'm going to stand before God alone. I can't point to my critics as to why I didn't do the things he wanted me to do. I can't point to my critics as to why I buried my talents. Uh, That won't fly on that day of account. Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know, I don't really care what anybody thinks about the way I run hard after God and enjoy his presence because this is my relationship with him. And and he loves it. He loves that. And so when you are, you know, even getting out of your comfort zone a little bit and rising up in joy and strength, I want you to imagine you know, a child doing that in the presence of their parents and their parents just delighting. And in, there's, I mean, it would, there would be something wrong with a parent to go, are you seeing this people? I mean, my child is dancing around in his diaper. I cannot even believe he's doing this, <laughs> you know, but I mean, you imagine the delight of parents when little ones are just entering in with their whole strength. And I really believe that's how God sees it as well. But I honestly think there's something that a transaction that takes place in our hearts when we rise up and say, you know, if the noise is loud, then you be louder still. You know, if the mm-hmm. enemy taunts are loud, you be louder still. And imagine uh, what's happening because I really do believe it's like a spiritual proposition and you are putting your foot down to say, not today, enemy, and not tomorrow either. No, and I think sometimes, at least for me, it can be, like, I feel like I'm always late to the game and recognizing the spiritual component of the battle. Mm-hmm. You know, when something is, is when there's a struggle and, it, and it's beyond just normal, regular life struggle, but like, especially I guess in my mind, when I'm battling mm-hmm. for my mind, I feel like I'm always late to the game of, Oh, this is, this is more than flesh and blood 
here. Right. This is this is of a, a spiritual the spiritual realm, and I need to. Yeah. And, and I think it sometimes it can be hard to recognize that that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, Catherine Marshall and other greats, late greats who've gone before us, all have said that the that the mind is the beachhead. If the enemy mm-hmm. can win the beach, he can win the island, basically. And so we can't underestimate. Uh, the enemy's uh, strategy to go after our thoughts and even personalize our thoughts. So I'm so weak. I'm so tired. I'm so discouraged that kind of thing. And when you personalize things that actually make you shrivel, you should just pay attention to that, you know? Right. And also, I mean, something I was thinking about when you were talking the, that, that I, 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 mm-hmm. I am so, I am so. Yeah. And when you were talking about the, the battle that you had with caring about either God's opinion or others opinion, and I feel like for me, that's something I'm just coming out of. And in the last few years, realizing that it was really my pride. Like I was not stepping into things because of my, I was not doing things because of my pride. I didn't want to do something that felt kind of public and fail hmm. because of how I would appear. And mm-hmm. so I ended up being disobedient in not doing what the Lord had put before me and then missing out on all of the gifts that come along with being obedient, even when you do look crazy, even when you do fail, that there are, uh, I mean, like you talk about God's promises a lot, which I love, and that there are, you know, the, the when we're obedient, that there there will be a ripple effect after yeah. that. And I and I will add that you when you walk and step into your purposes, you'll have to die a thousand deaths on the mm-hmm. way to that purpose because we have a propensity to make it about us over and over again. And so whenever young women come up to me and say, I want to do what you do, any advice, you know, nine <laughs> out of ten hate the advice I give them, but I always <laughs> say, well, you'll be given countless opportunities to die, and I just want you to take every one. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like Paul said, death for me is life for you. And anytime I die a flesh death, anytime, you know, I can defer and and prefer others and let God have his way in my own flesh bent towards myself, it's more of the spirit that uh, rises up in me. So you know, this is probably why a lot of people won't step out in faith to do the things God's called them to is because of all of those dueling natures within, whether it's failure, fear of failure, fear of how others will appear, uh, how you appear to others. But, you know, that's why so few really uh, get to a place where they're like, you know what? I can't care what you think. I have mm-hmm. to care what God thinks because he's the one I'll be standing before on that great day. Yes. And th- that's something important to remember when we're talking about our topic for today, joy. That mm. just like we were talking about being able to celebrate and joy and wor- enjoy and worship of the Lord and to do that freely. Is Advent something that you usually observed, that something that you grew up with or something that you do now as an adult? You know, we growing up in large family, seven kids. Uh, it was so we didn't do Advent, um, but what we I wish we would have. And um, but I will say, Christmas and our summer vacation as a family up at this resort, where where my parents emptied their pockets, so they mm-hmm. would take us all together up in this little resort. And there were seven of us kids, and usually every year two of us could bring a friend, and we didn't even have a station wagon. So the resort owner would tell whoever's standing there next to him when we would pull in in this car, he'd say, watch how many people get out of that car. (laughs) (laughs) Because we were were like squished in every nook and cranny. And then we were broke until Mm. Christmas. And then my parents would get, you know, presents for all of us kids. And my mom was the most specific gift giver. With seven Mm. kids, there were times like the tag fell off the present. But we'd open it and know who it was for because she was so personal in the way that she thought about gifts. I mean, mm-hmm. really, something about the way she's given gifts 
really put faith in my heart about how personally involved that God is. So, and then they were broken until it was time to go on vacation again. So, the, for some reason, those were two anchors growing up. And to this day, 50 years at this resort, we all go. All my siblings, Still. there's like 45 of us, yes, that descend upon a resort, same, yeah. <laughs> same lake. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. But they, they sort of established this togetherness that really meant so much to all of us. And uh, so Christmas is still a very big deal in our in our family. And I will tell you, my extended family, you know, with COVID, it's different this year. But on mm-hmm. Christmas Eve, we usually get together at my sister's house. She's got the biggest house because we've got a massive family. And, you know, we do draw names. We've got, there's just, you know, the kids' gifts are downstairs. The adults are upstairs. And uh, and there's a point where five guitars come out because there's a number mm-hmm. of musicians. And they play the oldies and, and we dance. And so, like, you know, we'll do, you know, the swing dancing and or, you know, singing mm-hmm. just old 50s songs. And, and then we'll sing some Christmas songs. And, you know, my brother and my sister might pair up. And this husband and wife might pair up. And we just dance. And I can't explain it, but it's just the most wonderful, beautiful time. It sounds like a movie. It sounds like a Christmas movie. (laughs) It kind of is like that. I mean, it's just magical in the best way, you know, Um, and there's so many of us, but it's really precious. So, you know, my parents just, I wondered growing up going, should you empty your pockets for these two significant events? But they would not have it any other way. And I look at the ripple effect in our family and in in our individual families. Kevin and I have established some of our own Christmas traditions but, you know, the idea of prioritizing Christmas to that degree has stayed mm-hmm. with us. Oh, that's beautiful. And we've talked, we've touched on this a little bit, but how have you experienced joy in your relationship with God? You know, um, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I'm so aware, Angela, of my weaknesses. I just <laughs> am, you know, and. You know, Paul says, I boast of my weakness that the power of the risen Christ may dwell within me. And I don't know how to do it any other way because I'm so aware of, you know, my, my challenges. And, but in that place, when I, when I admit and acknowledge and even boast of my weakness, going, Lord, in my weakness, you're strong, I find his strength over and over again. And there is a power in it that brings such joy to my heart. And it kind of goes back to what the psalmist said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than a big deal anywhere else. And to know his presence, you know, I have to say, we're all that dependent. I just don't think we all know it. So mm-hmm. as much as I want full physical healing and, a, and symptom-free days and have consistent energy, you know, I don't have that. It's up and down for me. As much as I want that, I want to say this journey has created such a deep, profound dependence on God that I have such an intimacy with God, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And in that place, it's, you know, there's there's lots of days where I'm not super happy about the challenge. But those very days, I'm so joyful that I have a place to go. And that my struggle, my faith struggle to overcome is creating a ripple effect into eternity. I mean, we must never, you know, underestimate the treasure of your faith. Scripture says it's more precious than gold. And there is a day coming when your private battles will reveal public glory. You will glory with God. And this is what's so amazing is God is going to glorify you with himself in front of a watching world. In all the ways you struggled privately and you overcame, as you say, with joy and with faith and with hope, that is netting an eternal reward. And we don't do it for reward, Mm -hmm. but there's something. That's why scripture says that what you suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed to you on the day when Christ is revealed. I mean, I want you to imagine being so vindicated. I know people probably judge me for my my two steps forward, three steps back. I don't care anymore because there is a day, like John Eldridge says, one day 
your story will be told correctly. And mm-hmm. there's a day coming, Angela, where your private struggles are going to reveal a public glory, and God's going to vindicate you before a watching world. And he's going to say, she's mine. She belongs to me. And all those private battles, look at the glory on her life. I saw it the whole time. I knew what was going on. And there's glory coming off of her life because of the way she trusted me when it was easier not to. So I guess I'd rather have the struggle and have the faith to show for it than to have an easy life that I wished for all those years ago. Well, and to those close to us, too, it's it's such a great testimony and, and can offer hope. I mean, I have been backstage with you before you've spoken and and to see you know, the, the 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 struggle the you know the physical things that you're going through and then you step on stage and there's i, I don't know i don't know what it is but every time the mm. it, it, i i would never have guessed if i had not been backstage with you i would not have guessed that on stage you were experiencing any kind of pain and the just the uh the anointing and the way that god comes and gives you what you need in that moment to do what he set before you has been a a testimony to me Praise to God. be able to to step forward in things and and i and it also when um my mom passed away eleven years ago, and a couple of years before she passed, a friend at church's mother had passed away and when my mom passed, I remember thinking, okay elise i've seen elise smile i've seen Elise have joy i don't feel that now, but I will get to that place. And, and so I, I think, too, for those people that are close to us, we can see the the, the testimony of hang in there because yeah. there will be joy again. Yeah. You know, weeping lasts for a night, but joy comes in the morning. That's what it says in Psalm 30. And, and after you've suffered a while, God himself will come and restore you and establish you and put your feet on solid ground. That tells me, Angela, there's an end date to our suffering. And these are seasons but you know where none of us are appointed for a dark season for our whole life we go we walk through the valley of the shadow we don't camp there we don't live there and even this we will make it through this but i do believe how we steward this here will really be uh connected to how we fare on the other side. And some people, if, if you're numbing out, if you're shaking your fist at God, you're getting offended with God, and you're losing all kinds of ground in your faith and your physical health, and you're just sort of biding your time, I think you'll regret that. But if you can leverage this time, lean in and embrace it, going, God, what are you after in me? How can I leverage this time um, to become more of a Christ follower so that when I come through this, I'm stronger, I'm more rooted and grounded in my sense of who I am and who you are. This is a powerful opportunity to let our roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love and to see what he might do. And I just think we shouldn't postpone joy for when we get what we want, because that's not joy anyway. Mm-hmm. That's, some, that's relief, right? <laughs> but joy defies circumstances because it's a supernatural gift and it's a fruit of abiding with Christ. Yeah, and that kind of leads into the next topic I wanted to talk about is how we see joy in the Bible. And I, I we see that in Hebrews twelve two, where Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning mm-hmm. its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That to have that big, bigger perspective mm-hmm. of, and I'm not enduring the cross. I am not anywhere. Mm-hmm. Anything that I've endured has not been anywhere close to him enduring the cross. And so if he can set his eyes to the joy set before him and endure that, then he will give me the strength to do the same, I believe. 
Yeah, he, in that passage you're talking about, it says, let us consider him who endured such scorn from sinful men that we might not grow weary and lose heart. And those are key things. When you grow weary and lose heart, it is a time to pull in and reestablish joy because those are indicators that you've kind of gotten ahead of your soul or you've gotten behind and you're not caring for your soul anymore because that's one of the things is he is a, a soul restorer. And it's probably one of my great concerns right now when people are shaking their fist and in such um, – you know, uh, what's the word? There, things are so upended right now. These are really trying times. But as Christians, you know, if, you, if you're letting go of faith, hope, and love, if you're letting go of joy to go have these arguments, you've lost your way. So mm-hmm. I feel like if you're growing weary, if you're losing heart, come back to the vine. Abide in him, rest in him, and see what he will do. Because you were the joy set before him. You're why he endured. Mm. And now we're supposed to consider what he endured so we won't grow weary and lose heart. Because he did that so that we could be with him forever. And so better days are ahead for us. On Life on earth is as bad as it gets. It only gets better from here. And we've got to keep our eyes on that prize. Well, Susie, you've almost made me cry twice already. Mm. <laughs> That's such good, good word from our souls to hear that. Mm. Yeah. So how else do you see joy playing out in the Bible? I see it sometimes as kind of a gritty thing. And sometimes it's, you know, it's the joy that comes in the morning. It's a gift that where Jesus kind of ushers in a new season and it's so precious, but there's other times where it calls for something out of us. And, you know, there's a, we're walking through the gospel of Luke for Advent, you know, and there's a chapter, it's one of my favorites in Luke 18. It's the parable of the persistent widow. And you probably don't see joy in there at first glance, but it's like, there's this judge in the city. He neither feared God nor cared about people. But a widow in the city wanted justice, and she kept appealing to him and appealing to him. He didn't care about her. He didn't care about people, and he didn't fear God. But he said, because this woman is driving me crazy, I'm going to get up and give her what she wants. And Jesus (laughs) is telling us this story. Why? So that we will pray and not give up. And the tendency at first glance is to say, okay, so are you this angry judge? And am I this absolute annoyance? But if I bug you enough, you'll give me what I want. Well, you know, a deeper study for this at this of this passage was so wonderful for me because it was a lesson in contrast is actually what it is, because this is an unrighteous judge that neither fears God or cares about people. We serve Jesus. We serve a living God. Jesus advocates for us day and night, and God is righteousness, and he loves us deeply. So there's one contrast right there. The widow had no standing um, in society as a widow. We have, we are seated with Christ. So we have every right to be in the inner throne room of Almighty God to make our appeal in our case. The widow had no representation, no lawyer, and no funds to do so. When you are in Christ, you've got the advocate Jesus, and you've got the Holy Spirit within you. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is saying, you are set up in a way to be able to appeal to heaven for miracles from God. And so you need to know that. So what I want to know is in this time where there's trouble, are you willing to pray? Because when I look the earth over, will I find faith in you? And it says, but when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? And prior to that, he's like, I tell you, justice will come. And when it comes, it'll come quickly. So when you're crying out to God saying, don't you hear? Don't you see? It's so important not to get offended with God, to remember who it is you're talking to, and what he's promised you, and you continue to stand in faith. And then one day, all of those prayers will be piled up and poured out, and you will start to see the answers. So right now, as he's looking the earth over with all of these needs and prayers that haven't been answered yet, 
Is there faith in your heart? Is there expectancy in your heart? Is there, is there joy in your heart going, I know him. I know in whom I've believed, and I'm going to stand with him on that last day. So I'm going to live like that today. That's what God is looking for in this day. He's looking the earth over. Will I find faith in your heart? Will I find joy in your heart? Will I find love coming out of your life, even when you're in a moment where you don't yet have what you want? Because I hear your prayers, and I'm moving right now. And I think it's so easy. As you were talking, I was thinking about that the 400 years of silence between the Old and the New Testament. Yeah. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago um, when we were talking about hope. But there but there were still people that were faithful. Even mm-hmm. with all that silence with the Lord, there were, you know, we see Simeon and Anna in the temple who had been watching and waiting for the Messiah. And and I think about that. They didn't they didn't even have the Holy Spirit in them. And, and, and they discerned Jesus when they saw him. And yes. yet all the Pharisees were very schooled on the, on, the, on the Old Testament and that a Messiah was coming. And they mm-hmm. missed him completely because they'd gotten this fossilized view of what they thought it should look like. And, you know, that's really quite a, quite a lesson for all of us because Jesus so often moves in ways we don't expect. And we create this bullseye. We create an outcome. And when he doesn't hit it because he's not bound to... We lose our heart, we lose faith, and we get offended with God. But if we could step back and say, I want to live with expectancy and have my eyes open so I can discern your movement everywhere you're moving. You know, there's something powerful about that. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is so good. (laughs) This Mm. is so good. I'm so glad you're here. Wow. Good to be with you. So um, we've talked a little bit hearing of your uh, Christmas memories and the traditions that you have. Are there any other like a particular memory or gift or something that you know actually what i've been talking about with people is on christmas morning you know what were when would you open presents you know kind of what was your rhythm for christmas eve and christmas yeah so i'll tell you when my kids were little we started this tradition that we've carried it through and our kids are uh, grown and married and we have two grandchildren now and it was on the eve of Christmas Eve. And it really was an honor, Angela, of years before that when we had two in the hospital on the eve of Christmas Eve in the ER. We just we were the have-nots, you know. We had two kids with respiratory issues. And that eve of Christmas Eve, I couldn't believe we were there. But when we were there, God, his peace just met us. So shortly thereafter, every eve of Christmas Eve, we would light candles and sit down for a real nice dinner, turn all the lights off, have Christmas music on. And we'd go around, and our boys were just young, grade school and then middle school and, and so on. And we asked them three questions. What, what did the Lord teach you this last year? What life lesson are you taking with you into the next year? And what do you want from God in this year to come? And we would sit around that table and have the longest, deepest conversations. And I remember one, my oldest son in high school said, I want to learn everything that I possess in Jesus, and then I want to learn to appropriate it. And I'm like, you know the word appropriate. <laughs> but I love what you just said. Uh, but anyway, to, and to have these girls, these wives come in who had did not have any kind of tradition like that and have them enter in and give deep, deep thought to the three questions. You know, we get a family text going like usually a week before. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are, is it the same three questions? You know, you're not going to throw anything at curveball at us or whatever. But we would have the just the candlelight dinner. And um, that was absolutely so, so precious to us. And as far as Christmas morning when our kids were young, we purposely walked right past our tree in our presence. And we'd sit down on the floor in a circle. And cause we always said that there's, there's you know, we're, we're more blessed than than most. There's always somebody who doesn't have mm-hmm. presents, who doesn't have food. And we never wanted to teach compassion by 
conking them on the head. You know, that never works. We always wanted to say, you know, even in our hard times, God's been with us. And even in our hard times, there's someone who's, who's suffering more than we are. And so we just need to be mindful. So we would sit around in a circle. We would pray for our military and their families. We pray mm-hmm. for human trafficking victims and those who are fighting to um, redeem and free them. We would pray for the poor, for the sick. And that it was so interesting because the boys were never in a big hurry to get out of that time. We, just, we They just took their time. And that was really like such a sacred, beautiful exercise. And then we would move on to, to presents. So yeah. And this year, I, you know, we're, we're all planning to get together on Christmas Eve day, but we just don't know now with how things are moving. Right. But, um, but Christmas is a precious, precious time to us. And so it, you, when you were talking about the tra- traditions that you had with your boys, it was making me think of the tradition we've been doing with our boys. And we've, um, I guess, spoiler alert, if there are little, any little ears listening, but we did say, we would talk about St. Nicholas versus Santa mm. Claus. And so we would talk about who he was and what he did and try to learn about him and and celebrate um, St. Nicholas Day with putting their shoes out and getting um, the chocolates and everything cool. on December 6th. And then we would also, one of the books that I got about St. Nicholas talked about t- telling the story about how he helped people. And one of them said, St. Nicholas did it anonymously so that the person who received the gift would thank the Lord because he didn't want the thanks. It was about hmm. what God was doing. Interesting. Yeah. And so it's been a really fun tradition to to continue to kind of stop and think, okay, well, who are we going to bless this year? You know, hmm. who who is it that we have seen or heard that maybe needs some encouragement this Christmas season? And so sometimes we'll buy the book and then do something for that person in, in celebration of St. Nicholas Day. That's wonderful. Which wow. also makes me think of something that we have going on here at Faith Radio called the Great Yay! Giveaway. Yes. Oh, I love this. We've been doing it for years, and uh, it's really just mobilizing as many people as possible to engage in random acts of kindness. And uh, what's so fun about that this year is Carissa, our brand manager, created a little card that you can put with, and it just says something like, you are seen, you're loved, somebody cares about you, and we're doing this. You know, many people are doing random acts of kindness. If you have it in you to, to pay it forward, please do so. And uh, But what we're going to do then is on December 18th, open the phone lines on all three shows and have people kind of come back from the mission field, so to speak, and share what happened. And I've done this on my show for years, and there's always, you know, one or two people who say, I thought you're not supposed to let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And that's true. But scripture also says, let your light shine before men so that others may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And so we invite you to call anonymously or write in anonymously so people don't know. But what is happens every year when people hear one call after the other of people coming back going, you're not going to believe what happened. Mm-hmm. People have said they had to pull off the road because they're weeping because they've been, you know, they're just overwhelmed by all of these good deeds that went out and ministered to people, especially in a day when you're so immersed in bad news and suddenly you're overcome by all this good news. It just does something for the soul. And so it really see it as these mini mission trips be mobilized and if you're willing get outside your comfort zone a little bit and just engage in some random acts of kindness and then come back from the mission field and tell us about it and then a couple of you will pick some of the most inspiring stories and we'll give a big gift basket of goodies away just as our way of saying thanks for being the hands and feet of christ i am so excited i'm so excited to see what happens and how god moves through this yeah 
It's going to be really yeah. fun. People are so creative and so wonderful, and, and everybody's comfort zone is different, so mm-hmm. it's so creative to see how people go do things that they normally wouldn't do, and then they come back and go, thank you for that holy shove. I wouldn't have done it otherwise, and I, it changed my holidays. So, you know, I think it's a powerful way to get people moving in the right direction for sure. Susie, this has been wonderful. I'm, I'm so glad you joined me for this. I'm so honored to join you. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us today. If you would like to join us in reading through the book of Luke or for the great giveaway that Susie just talked about, you can find out more information about that at myfaithradio.com. The Advent theme that we're going to be talking about next week is love. I hope you'll join us. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel And ransom captive That mourns in lonely exile here Until the sun